0: Welcome everyone to another episode of Where's This Going? Again, before we get into it, I want to please remind you to take a second to go to my YouTube channel. You can find by searching my name Felix Levine on YouTube and hit that subscribe button. There you'll find every episode in its full video versions as well as smaller clips and highlights from those episodes. And also if you haven't done so, please go to Instagram and follow me at Felix.Levine to stay updated on new episodes and everything related as it comes out. Also, if you're listening to this right now, please just take a quick second to go rate and review this five stars on Apple's podcast app. That would be a massive help. And my guest today, he is one of the greatest combat sport athletes of all time, and I am super excited to have him on the show. Please welcome the Super Samoan, Mark Hunt. And we're live. Mark Hunt, thank you uh for taking the time today, sir. I appreciate you.
1: Thanks for having me on.
0: So I was just curious as we as we get into it to go into a more chronological sense and see how for listeners that that don't know your story, uh to kind of take us back into the early days of what uh what a young Mark Hunt was like as a as a young kid growing up in uh in this world, and if there was, you know, how that then played into, into you becoming uh getting into the world of combat sports.
1: So how I started fighting, I was, um, you know, out with the boys. Young teen, you know, got into a, a street fight outside a nightclub. So the bouncer became my first coach. And four days later, I was actually in that uh, same nightclub uh, punching on in a Muay Thai fight. So I was uh, 16 or 18 years old, I think, and that's how I, ha- I had my first Muay Thai fight. That's so I started fighting, um, you know. So, yeah, if you don't know that about me, that's what uh, how I started uh, Muay Thai fighting was turned into kickboxing and in the K1, and then uh, 2003, I thought more or less moved into the world of MMA.
0: And for you, as a, as a kid growing up, what did you expect or hope that your life would become? Did you have a like a dream job when you were when you were young,
1: eight, ten year old? Well, not really. No, to be honest, I didn't really have any dreams or aspirations. I uh, was pretty much just uh, I was homeless at eight years old. I was. You know, I was in the tree. <laughs> I was running away from my dad, and I was, uh, um, you know, I, I slept in the fucking school tree to start the night with. And uh, two weeks uh, later, they caught me at uh, hiding out somewhere else. <laughs> so, you know, I had no dreams of uh, becoming doing it or doing anything. I just dreamt about things getting better. You know, dreamt about having something to eat these days. <laughs> That's the the way where my grew up especially with fighting. That's why I think I'm pretty good at it. So at the end of the day i was just uh surviving a shitty childhood to be honest and what, and um, okay. that's where where that went so i had no dreams of aspirations or goals or i was just trying to survive a childhood life
0: and and for you will you talk about um what it was like to you know when you talk about being virtually homeless what that was like and then what you know ultimately well, that's done- to, be,
1: to be honest is i don't know I, I was, you know, I was at home, I, I was uh, Form 2, I think it was, uh, in um, in New Zealand, and, uh, you know, I just, I, I was, uh, I dropped the dish uh, when I was washing the dishes, and my dad, I just got the back end of the, the, the it's called a, a hose that they use for the laundry machines, and the laundry machines back in the days were like, uh, they spun around like this, you know, and, and there's a hose that connected from the pipe, the water pipe to the hose, that put water in it, so he whacked me with that a freaking piece of shit, and I, because it was—I think it nearly split my ear. It just blew up, and I, and I, and I run for it. So I run. I jumped out the fucking laundry window, and I was out in the street. So I run, and and I just keep running. So I, um, my first night was was kind of kind of weird, hiding in the trees in, in the school. And um, the tree was kind of it was kind of weird tree because the tree was like a flat tree, and you could climb in, into it, under it, and 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 sit in the middle of it. And um, you know, it's got of sort of for an eight-year-old. It's kind of hard to try and look around. I mean, I went and closed on uh, some clothes to get some warmth. Uh, closed on some towels from the, from the apartments next door. But the funny thing was, they were wet, <laughs> and they were still. Uh... So that was my first night. Uh, you know, then the next two weeks, I was uh, in schools, uh, after schools, and hiding around. You know, at at uh, at that age. So yeah.
0: And where did your where did your parent did your parents like go looking for you? What what was that?
1: Well, they called me like a couple of weeks later. I was at a pla a guy's place. Friend of mine, his name was Freddie Baker. So I think his parents told my parents and uh of course my parents would have been looking for me, but um and I was standing in there in the you know, probably wearing Freddie's clothes and, <laughs> and they came in and, and grabbed me or my 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 mom did and and that was my uh my running away from home and that's the homelessness started. So I just took off, got back home and then, yeah, so yeah.
0: And how did you, how did the coming home part take place? How did you go back home eventually?
1: Well, I was grabbed and taken back home and stayed at home from then on. It was, it was, it was a, like I said, an eight-year doesn't uh, think of things different, other. you know, doesn't think like that at that age. So, you know, growing up, I wasn't uh, thinking about dreams and ambitions. I was thinking about other things like, uh, surviving this fucking shithole place I was living in.
0: And, you know, you, I've heard a bunch of, uh, interviews of you in the past couple of days when I've been researching and, uh, you know, you talk a lot about this, uh, your father and, and the relationship that you guys had. And how do you think that, um, you know, that affected you as a, as a fighter? Was that a source of motivation at all? Was there, you know, did it make you, uh, an angry child because of the abuse that you saw? Like, what was that like?
1: Yeah, it was uh, there was no relationship between uh, my father and my 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 siblings and my parents. It was uh, my father was just a you know was just a dirtbag to be honest, and he didn't even drink or do drugs. He wow. was just a dirtbag. So, um, and he and he was good at warfare, mental warfare, and fucking giving a beating the shit out of us to be honest. So, um, yeah, uh, there was no relationship. It was just we were shit scared, and that's basically it. So. And how he mentally tormented us was, you know, we'd start with like half an hour or an hour on our knees. he said, get on your knees, you know. And, would, and would, one time he had actually gone, because we had a pear tree, a tree outside the house. He'd gone cut the pear tree while we were, we were watching him. And we're like, oh, sure. We, you know, we were fucking shit scared because he's going to fucking use those branches on us. <laughs> he's such a fucking frustrated dumb cat. <laughs> you know what? So um So,
0: did you, do you think that, uh, like when, when you were fighting, uh, you know, did, they, did you use that as a source of inspiration or a source of motivation or a source of hate?
1: Well, yeah, of course. I used it as, um, you know, being coming from a, a background with not much, you know, you had to fight for a lot, for everything, to be honest. And, um, you know, my dad was pretty ruthless, especially with, uh, you know, and I, we all uh, copped a lot of beatings, to be honest. And the thing was, you know, like, you know, fighting's um, a lot to do with affliction, you know, and affliction's a lot of, you know, pain. So... We copped a lot of that uh, growing up and uh, surviving a lot of that, to be honest. And um, I grew a big, a high threshold for pain tolerance, to be honest. Do you think? And that's if, why i um,
0: Do you think if you didn't, um, you know, face this abuse uh, from your father, you would have gone into fighting still?
1: I don't think so. I don't think I would have been a fighter. I would probably, I mean, I, like I said, I didn't know what I was going to do as growing up. I, I, all I was just trying to do was survive a shitty childhood and deal with the cars that the almighty has given me, you know, he gave me these shitty cars, like, fuck, what is this? Is this what we're supposed to be doing? Well, you know, I, I we all dealt with it the way we dealt with it. Uh, you know, the, my brother above me killed himself, I think, three or four years ago. The other brother, a uh, uh, brother above him is um, is uh, schizophrenic. He's been like that for like 30-something years. And my older sister, you know, who got, who got the most punishment out of all of us, um, she, she's doing all right now. She's still doing okay. She's surviving, just like me, so... You know, And
0: do you have any, any advice, you know, because you know, now that you're this, this big, uh, you know, celebrity, um, you know, you have a, a platform that to, to talk and people listen to you. Do you, you know, there, for the kids that are out there that, uh, you know, are facing similar abuses or don't know who to talk to or what to, what to really think. Do you have any, you know, looking back on it, pieces of advice for that could help other kids that are in similar, you know, abusive situations?
1: Yeah, of course. You know, I, I'm not a celebrity or anything like that. I don't consider myself like that. You know, I am just uh, someone that's changed my life and the cycle of, of abuse and everything and, and and gone the positive route or the better way. I mean, despite the the, the harsh cars I was given. And I, and I always got to say, you know, there's always someone else worse than you. And I know a, a few people that have had a, a worse scenario. You know, I, I count my blessings to be here and still fighting and be alive, to be honest. I... I treat my kids fairly and differently. I want to give them, you know, I want them to be kids as long as they can be kids. Um, you know, for those that are in this sort of garbage, you don't deserve to be treated badly. Um, it's not your fault that you're you've been treated badly because of, you know, probably my parents didn't get taught that a different way. Probably they didn't understand. They probably got abused the same thing. So it's a, it's a bad cycle. Um, you can um, you can use this to change your, your life. Uh, you can use this to help yourself. Um, to better yourself, you know, and despite all the people, all the people, there's all, the, all the kids that made fun of you going to school and, and you know, said you're a shit because you're you know, you're shit, your clothes are crap or whatever the fuck it is, you know, you can always put uh, positive things in your mind like I did, you know, positive uh, thoughts. Like, no, that person is, you know, my clothes might be shit, but so what? That's just the way things are. It might look like shit, but who cares? That's not going to be forever. You know, you always put positive things in your life to change it when people are making fun of you and saying shit, because kids can be really cruel. You know, I got to a certain point in my age where I, I got really aggressive with everyone. That's, that's how I fixed them up. That was my equalizer at the end of the day, which is wrong. You know, landing me in jail twice. <laughs> but uh, like I said, even now I'm dealing with these issues. I, I, you have to reach out to people that can help you. You know, I go to a counselor that I met that's really, really, really positive. And all my issues I do have in my relationship now, because I'm just, breaking up with my wife, is from my childhood. So, you know, I'm just trying to deal with it more now. It's, it's hard to feel, you know, especially at 46 years of age, you don't realize you have issues until you're actually sitting there someone's telling you you've got issues. Like, you think that's normal. You think trying to, thinking about, you know, an instant thought of fucking killing someone while you're walking out doing something and he upsets you, it's, it's not a problem. You know, you shouldn't be thinking about hurting someone, you know, like that or, you know doing something really bad to this person in an instant when he does something to you. But that's just, uh, you know, for me, that was just the survivor's mentality. Growing up uh, where I was, and that's just how, the way I dealt with things. A lot of the kids around I dealt with things that way. But, you know, remember, you know, all the kids are in trouble. There's always someone worse. And you can always, there's never, you know, you, you don't have to go kill yourself like my brother or... You know, um, it wasn't my oldest brother's option to go schizophrenic 35 years ago, but that's, that's the way he dealt with it. They dealt with it. Um, you know, I, like I said, I've got issues now that I'm dealing with at the moment at 46 years of age, which is crazy. But yet I'm still fighting. I'm still dealing with them, you know, trying to be a normal person, a better person. And uh, all those uh, facing this uh, sort of stuff can do the same thing.
0: No, yeah, that's it's, uh, it's beautiful. And also I think, you know, to, to even if at 46, you're still, you're still improving. I think as we all are, I'm more curious, um, also as a kid, you know, before you got into fighting, did you have any smaller outlets when people would pick on you or you would face certain abuses from your, from your dad or, or life at home was hard? Like, was there things before you got really into fighting, uh, that you would do to just kind of take your mind off or, or, you know, cause there's a lot of kids today that that don't have the outlet of martial arts and maybe they should. Um, and they just don't really know what to do, and that anger is, you know, manifested in in bad ways, or they get
1: involved in gang life. What What was that like for you growing up? Oh, I I um I sort of used my my mind to uh I escaped inside myself, you know. I just went inside myself and just thought positive things and did things, you know. Like um, uh, I used to run along uh, the school uh, along the field and try and race cars, and as uh, as I was kid uh, at night time. You know, a, you know, we weren't allowed at all. But uh, when, when I started getting out there uh, onto the streets, I started uh, racing cars down, you know, like, it's like 400 metres or something, just trying to race them and beat them. That was one outlet for me. So, uh, and I didn't realise that was sport. That was sport to get out there, like playing footy and things like this. So, uh, you know, good outlet is sport and martial arts. Um, you know, um, yeah, there's a lot of things you can do. Um, talking to others about it. There's nothing you can do about it, which is, which is extremely good. It's helped me a lot with my issues. And even now at 46, still dealing with them.
0: Were, were you good at talking about these, you know, things that were going on in your life when you were younger? Or is that something you've kind of learned better as you've gotten older?
1: Something I learned as, as I got older, I never spoke a word about my uh, my situation as a child. I just, uh, I mean, a few people knew. My teacher knew uh, different things, but I, I never spoke about it at all. I just... Uh, just grew some big chips on my shoulders and just, you know, went around being an angry person trying to fuck everything up. (laughs) That's just what happened. And um, like I said, ended up in jail, met the wrong people and ended up doing wrong things with them. So, you know, that's just uh, what happened. Uh, I'm actually, uh, you know, lucky to be even around these days. and not doing a long, long jail sentence, to be honest.
0: Will you talk about um, then how you kind of got lured into you know, the, the wrong people. And then ultimately, you know, how for people that aren't familiar with the situation, how you ended up in, in, in jail.
1: Yeah. I just, I, to be honest, it wasn't Lord. I just was hanging out with the wrong people. Um, you know, um, you know, the first time I got to do the one of the first time, the time I got caught was, uh, was assaulting some guys uh, for their shoes. And the funny thing is they knew that, do you know, they knew who we were. Was like, you know, it was, it was the most stupidest thing. And it was during the day. I didn't understand what's wrong with somebody. I mean, people thought, what the fuck is wrong with these guys? This is going to beat someone off with shoes. It's like during the day too? They didn't give a fuck, you know. That's just, at that time, it was just, I don't know what the fuck was going through our brains. It was just dumb. I mean, nothing really mattered because we were getting fucking screwed over at home anyway. So it was like, who gives a fuck? Is there another level to this?
0: Right. And then, um, and then how long did you spend uh,
1: the first time in jail? I got uh nine and a half months. It was under a year. So you only do like five and a half if you're a good person. So yeah, and I think it, I was 16 or 18. One of the two. I think so, 16 I was.
0: So the first time you went, you were 16. I think it was, yeah. And then Currently. what, what was your mentality when you got in jail? I mean, what, what was going on in your head when you first walked in and.
1: Well, to be honest, I didn't know what was happening. I thought I'd be released, you know, in an hour or something, but, uh, I didn't realize this was uh, custody. You know, the first three weeks they uh, they put you in classification and with all sorts of people. But, uh, you know, uh, and then you realize, like, whoa, this is, uh, you know, the good thing about Jail was they give you three square meals a day, which is good. You know, it's better than what I got at home. So I actually pretty much enjoyed Jail and, um, you know, um, um, met a lot of good people. Um, I know, man, uh, I didn't join a, you know, when I went, when I got classification because I was a good good kid, I went to minimum security, and um, you know um, worked at an actual dairy farm to be honest, which was quite good. Uh yeah. So at least then I didn't end up going to medium security jail, and uh, you know, <laughs> yeah. So it was good. I I had actually enjoyed jail. You know, three square meals a day, um, routine. I got I got into routine. This what gave me routine. And
0: what was, if you had like the bi- one big takeaway from your first time in jail, what was it? You think
1: it was, it's a waste of time. Okay. you, I mean, I like jail, but it was just a waste of time. I mean, I I mean, there's other things you could have been doing. Well, I was, uh, you know, I mean, you could have got stabbed or killed or whatever, but it's just, I, I just, it just didn't happen. I mean, not, not, to, I didn't. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I, I didn't feel scared at all. Um, I mean, I was pretty much alone at home anyway, so yeah. But yeah, um, I just knew it was it was wrong to and, be there. And were you
0: close with your siblings when you were younger? Like, did they come visit, or were they? What was your relationship like then?
1: No, no, we I didn't have any uh, good relationship with my siblings. We were just surviving all of us in our own separate ways, in our own different worlds. We just survived the shitty house. And That's the- basically what it was.
0: And so then you get out, and you're what around seventeen, I guess, uh, or something in that ballpark. And then seventeen, yep. And then the second time you went to jail
1: was when it was twenty years old. I think I got three and a half months or something. I, I went to to um, Mount Heaton Jail, which is like a the rocker they call it in Auckland City. So, and it spent a little bit of time there for assault, so.
0: Yeah, and, and what was and what was that for? Assault. Okay. Yeah. And then after that, was there was there ever a turning point? You know, after maybe the second time you were there, that you were like, I never want to be back here again.
1: Well, I did. I said that the first time I went in. <laughs> when I first time went in, you know, I came out. I was like, well, wow. I mean, the second time was just. I knew it was, it was it was. I was just. I was just starting a cycle of just jail and trouble. Um, and I was glad I actually moved to a different country. Never been on a plane before. I was glad I actually moved to, to Australia to, to help my life because I knew uh, and the opportunity came up with Dave's brother and stuff. So I was lucky. Um, things, are, you know, um, I think God just put the right things in place. I was lucky to uh, to make the right decision at the right time because, you know, my decisions got me in the, in the jail on the first time. And and I was actually, what, 18 or something or 17 or 18. And that's where I started that so I could we really just keep going back around and you do another crime get back in so i was basically oh. just starting the trouble a life of crime a and heti crime i started then and then so yeah
0: do you think that uh if you didn't have martial arts or even if you hadn't like let, if you didn't leave the country do you think that you would have then ended up again like was there any kind of discipline of on your own i end? mean
1: of course i would have been back in jail you know for another assault or another some robbery or something some something stupid like that you know i started meeting some some good people if you would say because <laughs> you meet the best people in jail of course and you just you know you become friends and you start doing other stuff which is and that's what happens you become into a cycle and you, you start doing other stuff and then you know next thing you know you're looking at 20 years 30 years and that's pretty much all your uh your life done in one in one uh, in one one crime so you know
0: was was there any uh particular mem- memorable person that that stood out that became maybe a best friend or a particular maybe even a, a story that stood out from your
1: time in in jail? Yeah, the first time went, I mean I met a guy named you know I respected him a lot especially Josh and Nick Nick Hinsaw, we were, it was a minimum security so um Josh uh, Josh Natalfati was a mobster and he wanted me to know up with him to patch up with the mob and I was like Barrr. you know um, there was a few guys that are memorable to me um. I did weights of, uh, with Josh. Um, I hold the bag for him on his kickboxing. It was some good memories, um, you know, with Nick Enzo, I you him because he was, you know, he's a well-built, musty guy. He got five years for stabbing someone. Um, but he was good. He, you know, he worked hard. Because um, when you're a farmer, you work really, really hard. And I didn't realize that until I started working on the farms and milking cows twice a day and getting up at three and getting a bit about six. So I think it, it's, a, it's a hard day. Being a farmer is hard. Um, and uh, you know, I started doing weights when I was with Josh and watching him do the kickboxing and all this jazz. So you know, um, you know, but you know, I didn't know up with him. I just, I just, I just, 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 wasn't me. The gang life wasn't for me. I mean, I like, I you do know, a lot of gangsters and stuff, but I just, I just didn't feel like it was the right way to go. I just, you know, I'd rather stand on my two feet and and uh, do it that way. I'm not, uh, you know, not uh, into that. Uh, that just wasn't for me. I just didn't think it was right, you know, to be uh, to be part of a you know, gangs. I mean, I'm already part of a gang. Anyway, I get my my kids and my family here. Yeah, that's my gang. That's it. That's all I need.
0: Were you Were you training in jail? I mean, when you when you got out, how I
1: started. I was chubby I in mean, I came out, I was like 95 kilograms and all muscle. So, I mean, the scale did say I was uh, fucking obese, but I was like, I got an eight pack. What are you talking about? And I was young. <laughs> And I, at that age, you could do uh, I could do some you know pretty good things, and I could run an indoor track in eleven point three, and that was a circular track. So you know, being young and uh, and um, starting training in jail really helped me along, especially with the uh, muscle wise. Even though I'm fat now, but uh, <laughs> that's because I love eating. So <laughs> and that's another issue I have, especially with my childhood is food. So that's always been an issue, a childhood issue. So
0: how how so? Wow.
1: Well, well, think about it. When you don't have no food as a kid, you uh, when you get money or something to, to feed yourself, you're going to eat and overeat. Interesting. And it becomes it becomes an issue. So that's it's always been one of my issues with food. Uh, friends of mine, someone I know said, you don't have to gorge. You're always going to eat it again. I'm like, ooh, okay. <laughs> interesting, <laughs> interesting. like a lion. Fucking shitloads of food and you sit there. Like <laughs> 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 you don't know when your next meal is coming. And that- kind of, I think there's a, a switch in there. I've got to flick and say, you're going to eat again. Relax. And I don't fucking eat the whole world <laughs> and then wait for it.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> and so did you know,
0: you know, how early in your, in your kind of martial arts life, did you know that you had particularly good hands um, that you were kind of built
1: for this? Well, I mean, <laughs> I was good at, that uh, you know, i've got a I got beaten up as a, all through my childhood from my dad. So, I mean, you know, fighting's affliction. I'm good at taking affliction, and that's basically what fighting's all about. You just gotta go into the to the gym and train yourself not to get the pain, you know, and not to get the affliction, because fighting's not about getting hit and hurt. It's about putting hurt on someone else. So I grew up uh, getting hurt from my parents and um, or my dad, and um, so you, you know, it's a it wasn't that hard uh, decision to make in the end. Um, when you think about it,
0: <laughs> did they have any uh, particular? Op- did they? Have any particular opinions on when you you know started fighting? Did you you know lose contact with them? What was what was that like?
1: Well, my parents were still alive uh, uh, when I was still fighting. When I just started, though, you know, I, I bought them a, a place, a house uh, when I when i won the world title in two thousand and one. Um, you know, but there, you know, I was happy. I did. I just it was something I, I thought I'd, I'd do. I didn't hate my parents. It's just one of those things. You just your parents. You're like a dog. You're never. You know, you, 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 it's it's hard to explain. You know, I mean, you know, it's like a dog. When you beat the dog, the dog will still love you. But uh, because they're my parents, I'll always feel the same way. But um, yeah, there's not that uh, connection and closeness with that with the parents, especially my dad. I mean, he died of uh, bowel cancer, and he was rotting in the house. I just went to pick him up and pushed him in the in the fucking hospital. <laughs> yeah, man, if I didn't. I not we shouldn't even have had a funeral for him. You should have just let him fucking die. <laughs> you know? That's it's just zero feelings. For I mean, buying the house is, you know, something else. I don't know. Uh, I don't know what it is. I just thought it was my obligation.
0: And I'm also curious because uh, you know, now being a father, how how has you know your childhood affected the way that you father your own
1: kids? Man, I'm a really shit dad. I tried my best, you know, I've been away a long time traveling. I just I mean, I give my kids whatever they want. I don't. I, I get angry at yeah. I don't. Never touch my kids. I just. I mean, basically, they. They. I like them to be outspoken and do what they want. I want them to be in front of the class, you know, and not like me at the back of the class. Look, you got the dishes here, you got freaking everything here, and they just in their gaming. So, that's that's you know, and now it's even worse because I'm I'm single. Um, look, I just don't want my kids to be having adult issues while kids, you know, let the adults deal with the adult shit. Well, my job is to provide them. I know I'm not a, I need to, need to educate them a lot more on how things work to look after themselves because no one educated me about looking after myself. Um, but that's, that's the one thing I'm lacking. I need to teach in that sense. Uh, and, um, that's what I'm doing now. i been trying to spend more time with them. And, uh,
0: yeah. And how do you, how did you, you know, during your, especially during your when you were even more active, fighting all over the world, really, um, you know, how do you manage, you know, family life and and fighting and and doing camps here and there, and you know, I mean, what's that it like? Hard, if-
1: like I said, it, it, it's that it's, like I said I spent a lot of time away. Um, you know, uh, just it's a hard life to try and live as a fighter's life, and you know, and especially with all the shit that the UFC and all these these scumbag companies do, you think, what's the point? Mm. I mean, it's not like you're going to get to. Uh, Oh, for those guys, it's not like they're gonna, you know, make decent. They make, make decent coin, but not what they should be making. Is what I should say. And not, not what a top fighter, prize fighter should be making.
0: Right. And I know that That's you're, you know, you're, you're big involved in the antitrust and all that. Um, and you know, you've talked a lot about that as well. For just, you know, I mean, I don't want to bore you with it because you've probably talked about it so much. But for listeners that aren't really familiar with it, will you go over, you know, what you're doing and. Uh, because you're a big advocate and uh, you know voice right now on this on this subject, and uh, you know there's going back and forth with people at the UFC and whatnot. Um, just, will you just let people know what it is you're doing, and you know, for people that that are interested in supporting that that cause, they can they can know about it.
1: Yeah, well, one of the lawsuits i I joined the antitrust lawsuits lawsuit guys, and it's a class action. We're, we're trying to bring in the Ali Act, and you know, because the UFC fighters are not employed. Well, you know, I used to work with you for a long time. Um, you know, they're not employees, they don't get the benefits, they're only sharing a, a revenue of probably, I think, it's, I thought it was like 4%, uh, but I think they said it was like 12% or something now, but even though if it's, if it's, yeah, 12% is still small for what, for what it is, for the amount of money that that company makes, and the, and the only reason that company makes that money kind of money is because of the fighters, not because of Dana, not because of any one of those guys, it's because of those fighters, and it's because those fans that support the UFC. Mm-hmm. You know, the UFC fans, the fans think they're supporting these fighters, they're not, they're paying you know, the, the top end fighters. The only people that get money for, uh, for pay per views is the champions, and it depends on what deal they cut with the, with the company. So, all that money that those fans, those people are supporting UFC, all they're doing is giving those, the royal family of Dubai, giving them more money. They're giving these actors, well, the, the owners of the UFC now are, are the actors, you know, Venus, Serena Williams, Mark Wahlberg, Tony Robbins, all these fuckwoods that have plenty of money. Mm. And it's because you guys, there are there. Remember that. It's because of all the people. They're there, there. So they know, they're owning this company, whether they know or not that they're only they're, they're they're paying pittance to these fighters. They should understand that they're they're making money off these guys. So, so what we're trying to do is change the revenue from twelve percent to forty percent is what I think the basketball teams get and what the other you know proper sports leagues get. You know, UFC want to be classes as, as as one of the top sports leagues, but yet they're just crooks. They pay uh, minimum wage, below wage. Um, they don 't even have uh it just annoys me what a lot of things are doing you know the other lawsuit is about steroids and everything and you know the funny thing is they got the they say they 've got the best testing policies in the world for for fighting for uFC for drugs, but yet they 've not enforced it one time they only enforce it when they want to enforce it mm. so this is the other lawsuit i mean um, and that 's uh, you, know, uh, really you, know, uh, you know i 'm passionate about both what 's really annoying me is because you know i 've had a you know I've had so many issues with fighting guys that are shooting. i broke my hand 16 times. I fought three or four guys in a row that have never been punished. I think the last time they, that I fought was a guy named the guy that I really pissed me off was a guy named I fought Brock Lesnar. I mean, the guy, you know, that he people say to me, "Like, do you knew he was shooting? Look at him. And I'm looking, dude, unless you're a magician and took blood from that guy, then you just all you need to do is look at him and say, Yeah, I can I can see that he's on he's on something, but whether you knew or not, like in your heart, no. You can't you can't go anywhere and say, Well, look at him, he's on steroids. How do you fucking know? Yeah. Just by looking at him, what are you a fucking fortune teller? You can't say shit that you know. You can't take that anyway. You can't take that to a court law and say, okay, wave evidence. Oh, okay, so I just I knew who he was. They'll say, You knew who he was? Okay, how did you know? Look at him. <laughs> they'll yeah. just laugh at you. You know, they'll fucking laugh at you and say, get the fuck out of here, dumb cunt. So and then the other, um, you know, the, the instances were that they they gave him a four month ban- waiver, and I'm thinking, why would you do that? And, and so, and, and then um, after that, they they tried to, you know, they tried they fought, They didn't say that. They forced me to fight. Otherwise, they'll, they'll fire me. Mm. So I had to fight under the duress of losing my job. So they said, fight a guy named Josh Barnett, who's a fucking cheater. And I said no. I said I'd fight him, but put a clause in the contract that states that they'll take all his money off him uh, if he gets caught. You know, I don't need to take it off him. I don't want him to earn a cent because he's a fucking cheater. And they said no. And then two days later, the guy pops and I started laughing. goes, "Now nah, fuck you, you scumbag. And then they did it again to me. They came and said, we want you to fight another guy. Named, and his name is Alistair. And I said, fuck, I was in the game. Oh, my gosh, he's the fucking worst cheater. What the fuck's going on? I said, fuck I'm not gonna fight these cheaters uh, if I know they're cheating because I just fought their biggest cheater and you guys gave their cheater a pass and then they, and then we went back and forth for a while then they said um we're not gonna put the clause in this is the letter saying if you don't fucking fight we're gonna fire you black ass and then I was like you motherfuckers so uh, yeah so I says, you know okay I took the fight then I dro- dropped the lawsuit on him I mean what else can I do do they? I keep saying to them, I went, I said to them one time, two Star Streets, I kept saying to them, are you doing anything about it? Can you do something about it? And all they say to me is, uh, we've got to put him through the process. The fucking process is rigged by you guys. Jeff Davinsky is a fucking rat, just like you guys, and he's going to fucking turn on your side now. And, you know I mean? Despite catching Lance Armstrong, that, that rat fuck is fucking letting people go. I mean, how does that guy get off by saying, Uh, that incident with with the the fight in Vegas being moved to to California. I mean, shit. How did he get away with that? Oh, we caught him with a -a picogram in his system. Who gives a fuck? Picogram, fucking dog shitogram, it doesn't matter. He's got something in his system. Why are you letting him fight? You know, Why does all the fighters have to take a pecker because this fucking rodent can't do it properly like everyone else? Why does a shortcut take you get get to do it in a different state and all the fans lose up. That, that's what makes me laugh about this guy. I'm a, that's why I'm a, I, I speak up about it, especially with this this and joining antitrust guys, especially what they're trying to bring in to get a fair, a fair pay packet of what they're actually making. So you know that's how I feel in, on all that. Uh, all these lawsuits about what's going on, and people will say you're just the ones who say, "Man, fuck you. He's been in it before, and you're not even in it now." Yeah, you know, shut the fuck up.
0: And do they do they like pay you you know after, especially after the because the one that I remember so vividly was that was the Brock Lesnar fight um, and and you know when he popped afterwards, do they compensate you after that like how's that do like do you get
1: anything well, I, from from that? No. So I lose out I don't even move forward I don't get a, a win on my record it becomes a no contest. I don't get no money I mean I get my, my contract money but that's it it just becomes a no contest so I lose I, I mean I get the money that I was fighting for. Yes, but I don't get the fair fight Mm. in the octagon. The fair fight was taken away because they let that guy uh, go and fight and they probably knew he was cheating. Like Dana said, they made a deal, him and Vince McMahon. How the fuck is your president going to let those two fuckers, those fuckers start your economy again when they're fucking crooks? I mean, I don't get it. How does uh, Donald Trump say we're going to let Dana this and this other dickhead, Vince McMahon, help our restart our economy? Fucking jerk. Just fucking thieves, mate. That's all it is. And now we're just going to take a
0: quick break to talk to you about my longtime sponsor in U.S. Wellness Meats. U.S. Wellness Meats has over 400 all-natural whole foods in their online store at uswellnessmeats.com. All of their beef, lamb, bison, and dairy products are 100% grass-fed and grass-finished. They also offer pasture-raised heritage pork, free-range poultry, and wild-caught seafood. They specialize in every single diet under the sun and have hundreds of paleo, keto, whole 30, sugar-free, and AIP-friendly options. All their foods are raised on family farms dedicated to sustainable and ethical principles, so you will never have any pesticides, herbicides, antibiotics, growth hormones, or GMOs. They ship anywhere in the country for only $9.50 for shipping and handling, and most orders are delivered within 24 to 48 hours of leaving their facilities. Go to uswellnessmeets.com today and when you use promo code podcast, that's P-O-D-C-A-S-T, you'll receive 15% off storewide savings. Again, go to uswellnessmeets.com, use that promo code podcast and you'll get 15% off of every single order. Go check it out today. Now let's get back into it. And in terms of like, you know, I think you've also been, uh, if I well remember, uh, an advocate also on, on talking about like the injuries that fighters are going through, you know, CTE brain damage, stuff like that. Um, you know, for yeah. you, uh, now that you're, you're, you know, you're, you're 46 and, uh, you know, do you feel those things on a daily basis? I mean, what's, what's, you know, health wise, You know, because MMA and the UFC and stuff like that are so young still in terms of the, you know, compared to other sports, we don't really see all those long-term effects like we do in in like an American football, for example. But, uh, you know, as you as a, you know, almost an OG of the sport at this point, do you start, do you feel those? I mean, what's that like for you?
1: So to be honest, 20 years is a long time. UFC is young compared to the other sports. It's not young as in like uh, young, young. It's It's 20 years old. So, you know, 20 years old is a long time. It's only young compared to the other sport because those other sports are over 100, whatever years old. Right. So don't use that excuse as that it's a young sport. You're still making the revenue. You're still making all that shit. Don't give me their bosses that, are oh, it's young sport. We shouldn't be having to pay this. That's a horse. That's a load of horse shit. No, right, as but young it's... young as in it's as young in compared to the other
0: sports right exactly but i mean as in there's no um you know there's there's not that many fighters that have talked out about their the the brain damage that they feel because because of the fact that it's young compared to the other sports right like in american football for example there's a lot of people you know 30 40 years ago that started talking about these things because they felt it um you know and i think now we're going to start seeing people in the ufc talk you know retired fighters talk about that brain damage the cte well yeah the,
1: i i, I the, to be honest i have you know um the UFC tried to say that to me. They said, I've got brain damage, I've got CT, blah, blah, blah. I mean, I did an interview and they pulled me off a flight. card. Really? I mean, I went and did a... I had to go to Las Vegas to do do these tests. I mean, I've, I've heard some people speak. They can't even string a sentence together. Yeah. At all. You know, if if my situation was like that and USC actually cared, then why would they force you to fight or do different things with like this? Why would they allow these steroid guys to get away with shit? mm you know, if they actually cared about the fighters, they don't care. If they cared about it, they'll bring in the Ali Act and change things. But they don't care. They don't care. They will still give them the fucking twelve percent, whatever it is. If they actually cared about their fighters, they'll make it forty percent. They'll give them to be. They'll actually be employees. There's a lot of things they'll change, but they don't care. All they care about is what. Yes, yeah, the money. Yeah, we all. We all. That's that's what company does, right? So as a. Uh, former a subcontractor of the company, you know, we got to look out for ourselves. And that's why, I mean, to be honest, what really I've seen me one time is, 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 is a person said that that fighters only make 10% up of the UFC, you know, and I was like, yeah, fighters make 10% up, but they're the most important, mm. okay? And you're not looking after them. I mean, without the fighters, you've got nothing, this guy was such an idiot. Pissed me off. He's like, the, fi- the fighters make up only 10%. And I'm thinking, yeah, okay, they do make up only 10%, but that's the show. And you're still not looking after them. You know what I mean? They're still not getting looked after. That's what's so annoying. So as a guy that's come out of that company, knowing all these things, and now it's um, you know, losing the guys that are cheating, all these things, there's a lot of things that need to be changed. Um, you can start with, um, with with the ALI Act. That, that's an that's equalizer to fix everything up. People talk about unions being bad. It's bad if, if, if the people on the union board are bad. Mm. You know? I mean, union can turn really bad, especially for these companies. But if they if they put the right people on the board, you know, to be fair. Not like right now. It's not fair at the moment at all for these guys. Um, people say you're not even part of the union. Yeah, of course. But someone that's come out of this and, and into two active lawsuits, of course I'm trying to, I've said something many times and these guys wouldn't do anything about it. So you know what? Fuck it! I'll do something about it.
0: And how far along are you in those lawsuits? I mean, what's what's next for those?
1: Well, hey, Dana White and the boys got to answer next week with my with my personal lawsuit. Hello, I think we're going to go to trial. you know. I'd like us with this trial. It's been on a a little while. I'd like to see it go to trial. I'd like to see what else they're hiding in their cupboards. These um these these guys, the the former owners. Um, you know, I'm surprised they haven't killed me yet, (laughs) to be honest. Um, But yeah, that's, uh, you know, it's in the the ninth district at the moment. It's in the high court and um, we're going to see what they say next week. I hope this goes to trial so the whole world can see what kind of fucking scumbag these guys are. These guys, that used to own the company and Um, and how they made their billions of dollars and how they sold their company, fucking using everyone else to fucking fry fry everyone else and use everyone else. And I'm just, different because i don't like to be you can't shackle someone like me uh you, you can't do that to me i want. i want to accept it i don't give a fuck if you try to kill me or kill me i don't give a fuck at least i'll die trying and for you uh you know what's
0: what's life like now i mean you know 46 i mean what's uh what's on the cards what are you doing what's what's a daily schedule look like in the in the life of mark current these days well, these days, i mean, I'm,
1: i I've just accepted another fight, and I want to finish my career with six more fights and 46. Uh, I was really unhappy with, uh, working in the UFC for like three years before I finished. You could tell that by my fights. Uh, I mean, I was really unhappy. I was, I was arguing all the time with them. Fuck, I hate those. I hate the former, I mean, there's a, I hated how they treated the fighters. Then um, I just wouldn't accept it. So you know, I mean, life nowadays is, for me is. I'm away from home. I'm going through divorce. Uh, I'm just, I'm I'm getting ready for another fight. I have the kids on the weekend, which is really good. Um, uh, That's, but that's just me though. That's my life at the moment. I want to finish my uh, career with six more fights and move on. And what do you, uh,
0: sorry, what do you, what do you see, uh, you know, as life after those six fights? Um, What do you hope to do with life after, after fighting? Have you thought about that?
1: When I properly hang up the gloves, I will never come back. Like I said, I didn't want to be a fighter in the start, but um, I want to. To um, I've got a lot of businesses in place at the moment. I'm going to be opening before the virus. Um, I want to do a lot of things. There's a lot of things on my mind. I want to help a lot of people with management. Um, you know, um, because I have a. Lot of uh, great business, model Especially when it comes to fighting for management. I know what, what's happening with these how things work, the contracts. Um, yeah, so a lot of business stuff, a lot of time with my children, and uh, pretty much, hopefully, uh, just enjoying the rest of my life after fighting. I mean, it's a year and a half away, I'd say, um, but I can see the end. I can see the end of me, which is which is fucking good for me. I hate training.
0: <laughs> what's what's training like now compared to to maybe you know ten or fifteen years ago?
1: i got to say, it's a lot harder, you know. I mean, I mean Ty's up here at the moment. I mean, he's, he's, uh, he's still with the, U- the UFC. I mean, we hardly ever talk about uh, it because he's still, I mean, he knows how I feel about my views, but, you know, he's still working in this and stuff. And I hope you can make things better for these younger guys coming through, um, the boys and the girls, with the ALI Act, um, the antitrust law and different things. Um, but training is a lot harder than it was, you know. Like now, I mean, you're talking about. I mean, I was running that day. We we're running in the mornings every morning. Of the time It's like he's you know, he's 27. I mean, he's been with me like five years or six years, and it's so weird because they just he's a lot bigger than I'm, I and he's running faster and everything. I was like, man, I just but you know, I just I look at it. My you know, my body's been through. The, I've got the mileage on my body. You know, I've got like an old car that's been fucking. You know, it hasn't been supercharged. Like, um, the, the car's got. It's been running for a long, long. time. You know with the mileage of running, the money, the mileage of you know punching the knuckles. But uh, the fire is still there. I can you know the, the fire is still burning because I, I want to get that, You know not only that, of course the money is good, but because um, that's always been why I fought because of the money. But but uh, just to finish happy and you know, on my terms. Mm. And it's like a, it's a lot harder than you, you're not supposed to be doing this at my age, you know. But even now, I still think I'm the best fighter in the world. I still think I'm better than a lot of these fuckers, you know. Do you feel like now
0: also, um, you know, with with a family, do you feel like you're fighting for your family as well? I mean, are they an extra source of inspiration, not just financially, but, you know, just from a from a spiritual
1: or mental perspective as well? Well, I mean, I don't care. To be honest. This, this, this fight that I'm in it's just, and the losses, it's, it's about fucking change. Mm. You know, I asked Dana and them, I asked him if they could just change this from the start. No financial incentive, no nothing. These guys wouldn't have a bar of it. Mm. I said, just put that clause in. It just changes, you know. It helps the guys that doesn't cheat. Why couldn't you just put a clause in saying you'll, they'll get no money? I mean, you take off thirty percent if they don't make weight. What the fuck is when he's when he's in, when he's knowingly cheating to hurt someone? Fuck! Why don't you fucking penalize him? Mm. They wouldn't have a bar for it. that's why we're here. That's why we're fucking here right now. And um, you know, despite them having all the all the advantage, all the power, all these things. You got to remember, they got that from all the people. They got that power from all the people. The people have let them get away with this. The fighters have let these people get away with this. Mm. And it's the people that, and the fighters that can change this. At one instance, everyone can just say, you know what? I don't want to support this company. I don't want to fight for this company. Where do you think they'll be? Yeah. Nowhere. I can tell you where they'll be right now, like any other company. Nowhere. The only thing they're holding on to right now is they keep everyone just enough to eat, just enough to the next, pay off the next bills. If everyone said, you know what, fuck you, you're going to change right now, and that's it. It'll happen in hours. It'll happen like that. Yeah. If these owners, the actual owners of the actual UFC, these celebrities and that knew what was happening, do you think they would, they would want to make a change? Do you think they'll stand up and say, look, man, this isn't right. We're not giving them a proper share, or do you think they're just interested in making their boats bigger or getting another helicopter or some shit? Mm-hmm. What, what do you think they're interested in?
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, money and you know.
1: (laughs) I mean, I understand about getting to the to this uh, business, making a business, and doing the right thing. But man, these these uh, this is the the fucking blood game, man. The people are fucking getting fucked up here, bro. (laughs) You know, it's fucking and especially how if some of these athletes got to the top, it's from the support and the love of the people. Mm -hmm. Without the people and the love, the support of other people like like you and I, there there'll be there'll be no celebrities. There'll be none of them. I mean. I don't think anyone. I don't give a fuck about him, but anyone. I, I still think is as great as Mike Tyson, of course, because he's he's like me. Wow, well, I'm like yeah, He's from the streets. So yeah.
0: And when you when you look back, uh, you know, on your career at least so far, uh, is there any one moment that you feel like stands out that you'll t- cherish? You know, for the rest of your life, that, that stands out as like your career defining moment or your favorite, you know, fighting moment.
1: Yeah, when I was uh, when I was in K1, when I won the when I won the world K1 title. I knew that um, I was a full-time I know I was I was signed before that, but I, I knew that I was I was gonna be able to change my life and buy my parents a house. Not even buy my house first. I just you know just buy a house for my parents and and um, you know just so that's that was a good moment for me to realize that that you know before, you know, my ex-girlfriend said her mo- her mother thought I wasn't even good enough. I mean you know, like all these people that thought I wasn't good enough. They look at said this fat guy and worthless, he's fucking worthless. Like all these other fuckers used to say, well, I'm not worthless. I'm not fucking useless. I'm a good person and I, and I do good things. So, yeah, that was a good moment for me.
0: And that's interesting that
1: you just said and that. I don't, think I've, I don't think I've shared that with anyone before. Wow. That's the first time I think I've shared it. And uh, their views on my account was a lot different than the views on myself. Wow. You know, despite how they thought about me, despite how these people thought that I was worthless and no good.
0: And... I think what's also interesting is what you just said of, you know, after you won the the, the K1 Grand Prix, that your mind went immediately to, I can buy my parents a house, you know, and even though everything that happened, I mean, I think that also kind of shows the person you are, you know, you, you, you care about no matter what happened with your dad, you're still, they're still your parents, right? And you still wanted to to make, you know, their lives a little bit better. Is that, is that fair? Yes. And
1: that's the thing though, is probably no one taught them and they probably went through a lot of abuse. It's just, like I said, I'm not going to do that to my kids and I didn't want to put them through. It was hard, you know, because I had two older kids, which they they got put through a lot too, being a person that uh, doesn't know how to be raised by proper parents. So, you know, it's a cycle. Mm. So, you know, me trying to fix the cycle on my own part is is good. So, you know, despite my kids being, you know, really hammering me all the time, (laughs) I still think this is the right way for, for them, you know. They don't need to be living in the back part of the brain, which is the fight or flight. They need to be living in the middle, like every normal person. You know, I know that there's food going to be there's no that they're not, they not have to be scared to go home. Know these things that are normal, not living in the back of the brain like I've lived for forty six years.
0: And how do you help like other parents? You know that uh, that have kids and came from abusive childhoods to you know try to not either to, to refrain from that kind of abuse or to break those bad tendencies? Because I think it's really hard, probably.
1: I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's, I mean I, I've seen it a couple of times and I've stepped in. Um, and it's not good. I mean, anyone that's been in that sort of position will do something about it. Just like when I saw this well, one time, I saw this fuck with a teacher teaching his kid tennis, a young girl, and he went stupid and you know, threw the tennis racket. And so I ran and picked the tennis racket, I threw it at him, started chasing him with a fucking tennis court and said, motherfucker. <laughs> I said it a few times in different things and I'm thinking, you know, I mean, at least at my age, at that age, I was able to do something about it. You know, not sit like a kid and be scared and go, oh, I can't do anything about it. You know, because I was too scared, you know. Um, I think they've got to look at themselves and, and, and um, you know, I think uh, seeing a counselor has really helped me a lot, especially with knowing that you live in, there's three brains that you live in, you know, the fight or flight one is at the back. And then that's the one that, that that all these kids live in as babies too, as they grow up. They live and they're growing up, you know, there's more wear in the nap. There's a lot more things they're scared of because they hear people with loud noises, yelling, arguing. They hear this. Kids, babies hear this as they grow up. And they uh, they start living in the back brain, scared of of uh, you know, someone's gonna do something to them. Well, they're not, they're not, uh, they're not safe like me, like how I grew up. And, you know, you get to a point at a certain age where like you turn that into anger. Mm. You have to always defend yourself on different things, you know, and and uh, it's not a good thing living in, in the back part of the brain in the fight or flight mode. is not good. Even any normal person doesn't understand because they, they, they sit in the middle here and, and think about things properly, whereas guys with fight or flight, there's only two modes. When that fight or flight's on, these two are not working, so you don't remember anything. That's how I grew up. Not remembering a lot of my childhood because I was always living in the back part of my brain. Mm. And that's something I learned from the counselor. That's what a lot of kids need to go and do. A lot of parents that are doing this, they need to go to counseling themselves, educate themselves. You know, and uh, that's 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 the, that's the, the best thing. That the best thing I learned from the counselor was, you know, that you don't live. There's three parts of the brain that you do you live in, and you've been living in the the number the the back brain, which is the fight or flight, and it's a uh, Mr. Angry has always come out to protect. Was there? You, know, it's, it's a, you need to leave Mr. Angry and say, "Hey, man, I got this. I know you're here. You know you gotta you gotta sit with your feelings, like she says, sit with your feelings, and understand them. And your kids gotta understand that uh, that's the sadness. There's all these feelings that they've gotta understand.
0: Was there a point that you felt like uh, you know what prompted you to reach out to a counselor? Because I think that's a that's also a huge part of growing. And and you know, even if 46 or 40 or whatever, whenever you did it. Um, you know, and I think a lot of parents who are who, who are expe- who experience some of the same things as you. They don't know when or how. Or was there a moment for you that really prompted you to to go uh, to a counselor? There's
1: a lot of. I mean, people know the feeling of hunger. I do. You know when you're hungry. So what do you do? You go and feed yourself. There's other feelings that that's inside of you that that the body tells you because mm. it's a machine. It's smart. There's a lot of feelings, that, you know when if you're trying to. When you're hurting someone, you're doing something to kids. You know you're doing wrong. You know your mind, your body tells you. You know you have to go and speak to someone, go see a counselor. And they have seen thousands of people like you, like me. You know, there's nothing wrong with you. You know, I realized there's nothing wrong with me. That's just how I grew up. Mm. That's just the cards I was dealt with. I never dealt. When I said to the counselor, uh, she she asked me, "Have you ever dealt with your issues?" And I said, "Yeah, I've dealt with with my issues." And I said, and she said to me, "When?" And I looked at her and said. Um, <laughs> I was like, um. And she goes, "When did you deal with your issues, Mark?" And I'm like, "This, um, never." So she never. So that's she confronted me, and she wasn't fucking around. Bitch would have jump kicked me if I'd fucking said something else, you know. <laughs> she would have said fuck. And that's the one thing you you uh, you know have to learn. You have to learn how to to sit there and understand and try and open yourself up to this because. It, there's a there's a process that, that starts with, you know, there's anger, there's sadness. Um Then, then there's healing afterwards. These are the, the emotions, the process that it works for. You just can't be, you know, I've been angry for 46 fucking years. <laughs> you know, the, the cousin said, fuck, is, fucking must be tired now. Fuck, does he ever get tired? <laughs> he's always out there looking for a fight or he's looking to defend someone. There's, Do you want to not be no angry? It's not, yeah. well, of course, because there's no one where you relax more. Your anxiety comes out, you're not. You're not wanting to hurt anyone. You're not trying to... Mr. Angry, there's no need for Mr. Angry to be here. You know, there's, there's time for Mr. Sad to be here so that Mr. Healing can come. You know what I mean? There's a, So, I mean, that's, that's when you said before about fighting. That's, that's why I was probably... Um, that's why I'm probably one of the best fighters in the world. i am fought for the longest in the world because of that. Do you feel like fighting saved your life? Of course, without a doubt. And like I said, I didn't even want to be a fighter. Fighting saved my life to be a better, try to be a better person. Even at 46, I'm trying to evolve and help myself so I can better my kids and my and the, those around me. Of course, I'm always, if it wasn't for fighting and martial arts, I mean, uh, you know, who knows? And I, I say this with, uh, you know, with, with, the, with the, I'll really let it go. Who knows what i I, I would have done, done some terrible things, I think. I mean, I've done some things I should, I'm not I'm not proud of at all, but um, I paid for that with my time. And um, you know, I just don't want to be making any more mistakes like that. So uh, it's too late for to muck around with these things. And I'm 46. I want to enjoy my life now. So I want to be out of that fucking back end and just living in the middle and the rain. I just live around where it's just cozy, where you don't get everything's so chilled. I mean, I want to be normal.
0: Now I have a, a very separate question. What is uh, you know you're you're known as the as the king of the walk off knockout. What is what's that feeling like when you uh, when you hit a walk off knockout? Do you know Do you know on the spot? That they're out?
1: Yeah, you, you can just feel it. You just know, it's like, man. And it, it's just, I don't know how to explain it, but you just, you just feel it. You just know. Uh, yeah, I, I think a, a lot of fighters would understand that, but uh, I mean, yeah.
0: Is, is it ever like, uh, does it scare you to know what you're capable of, of doing in a way, you know? Because you're no <laughs> no one can really fuck with you.
1: Well, no, that's not really true. I mean, humans, we're really weak. We're really piss weak. We well, think we're human us, wise, we with human plans. wise. Well, I mean, as a human, I mean, and I know fucking we're weak as fuck was, you know, I mean, the only, the only reason why we're the best with the alpha in this whole fucking planet is because we can make shit to fuck everything else up. If you know, if you're big than us, we'll make something to fucking kill you. You know, we'll do something. You know, that's how we are the number one as a fighter. I think, um, I mean, like I said, i I'd like to do, I like to you know spend some time with some of these doctors of there So can, you know, yeah, I like to make it an even playing field. Then we'll see what's up, you know, uh, with these guys that are fucking cheating. So you know, I don't think that is fair. Those guys need to be checked on with all the everyone out the whole world to see about those guys. you know? those are the guys that are, that are that are unfair. I mean, it's like when they race here with the V8s and. You know, here comes a fucking Skyline with the turbo in it. Everyone's like this, fuck, he's you cheating? What the fuck? <laughs> it's like putting a, you know, a normal push bike. And they talk about my bike and it's got an electric, uh, you know, current running through it. And they goes, that's cheating. us like, <laughs> So it's like a human human being, but same thing. When you supercharge that shit, it's fucking next level, cuz. But anyway, yeah. Now to to wrap
0: things up, do you uh do you ever think about about your legacy? I mean, how do you hope that people remember Mark Hunt as a as a fighter, as a father, as a just as a human being? I mean, what what mark do you hope to to leave on the world?
1: Well, like I said, I didn't want to be a fighter at all. All I'm doing right now is just um trying to fight the good fight. I'm trying to make things even. You know, I like I, I don't really care what people think about me at the end of the day. I just I want Uh, If it's going to be a fight, I want it to be an even fight, Mm. you know. And um, if they have rules and and regulations, then fair enough, you know. Otherwise, why not just fucking make it open? Let everyone fucking do shit and don't fucking someone die, you know? I mean, (laughs) if that's a proper fight, I mean, (laughs) sucks. I mean, mixed martial arts is the the highest you can get. Next thing is fucking weapon fighting. Next thing is shooting. Next thing is fucking full-blown war. So, you know, we've already been to those. There's there's no good at it that comes out of that shit. There's good that comes out of sport. We're fighting because, it, it, you know, you can make things even that way. But anyway. And what, <laughs> about, what about
0: as a what about strips put fighting to the side? What about as a man? Do you ever think about how, you know, you want to, if there's a legacy that people remember as Mark Hunt the person?
1: Well, like I said, I didn't really ever thought about what people thought about me because at the end of the day, you know I mean? People will think what they think about you anyway. So mm. I don't give a fuck. I'm just living my life. I'm trying to live my life according to how I think is is right and fair. And um, you know, I've used the tools that that and the gifts. That's uh, I'm glad that the gifts I've found that God's given me. And that's basically it. So people are going to think of you what they think of you. And to be honest, I'm not going to lose any sleep thinking about what they think because I don't care. You know, I still got to go to fucking do my shit anyway. So I mean, people, <laughs> you're not going to be be friends of everyone in the world because people are just going to hate you anyway. So, you know, you've probably seen my Instagram. I don't give a fuck about people that talk about talk shit. But talk shit about me, I'll fuck you up. <laughs> I don't give a shit about people. Fuck. Speaking of uh, Instagram. The only people that I think about is the people that I care about. Mm. Close people to me and my circle and the people that I deal with all the time. Other than that, fuck is...
0: <laughs> speaking of Instagram you can follow Mark Hunt uh, at Mark Hunt Fighter on Twitter at Mark Hunt 1974 and they can follow your uh, your apparel at Juggernaut uh,
1: Mark Hunt it's coming when I get some money it's coming so you know <laughs> But don't follow me if you're going to be a smarter because I'll fuck you up.
0: <laughs> and you don't want to fuck you're with him. Mark,
1: it not eating chocolate biscuits, motherfucker. No.
0: <laughs> Mark, it was, uh, it was a pleasure to have you on my show. I really appreciate the time.
1: Send uh, me the link, I'll share it for you.
0: Yes, I appreciate you. Take care, man. Talk All soon. Man.
1: Thanks, bro. See ya. Bye.